Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Seeing Through the Spectrum. On today's episode, I am joined by TikToker Faye, who is an autistic female sharing her experiences online. Today, we are going to be talking about our experiences with masking or camouflaging, and we will go into explain a little bit around what masking actually is and how it has affected us, not only in our diagnostic process, as we were both diagnosed with autism as adults, but also how we feel those pressures from society. I am going to put a little apology in the beginning because the end is quite abrupt. We talked for a really long time and unfortunately I could not include it all in the podcast. So I tried to keep the most important things around the topic of masking and then I kind of wrapped up at the end. So apologies for that, but hopefully... As I go on with more episodes and continue to get feedback from you guys, um, we can improve on my endings. Also, please be aware that we use explicit language in this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Bye. Hello and welcome back to Seeing Through the Spectrum podcast. We are now on episode three and today I will be talking to TikToker Faye about all things masking. So Faye, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi everybody, Um, I'm Faye, I'm 21. Uh, I am a student at university and I was diagnosed when I was 21, December 2019. Oh, how long was your process? Um, about a year start to finish. Uh, That's yeah. quite good. It, it was pretty good. I was expecting it to be a lot longer. I don't know if the place that diagnosed me is like countrywide or whether it's just my local authority. It's probably local. Yeah. I think mine was local because everyone differs so much. Because mine, I started my diagnosis process in first year mm-hmm. when I was 19. And I got my diagnosis at 22, and now I'm 23. And so it was It was a long old time. Yeah. And so I think it just, like, depends on everything. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, what was your, like, initial reaction to being told? Were you aware? Did you kind of think it yourself? Like, For me, I... I suspected for a very long time that I was autistic, but being told was then like, it hit me like I suddenly had a, not an excuse, I don't like saying it's an excuse for my behaviour because obviously my behaviour is my behaviour. It's a reason. Yeah, it's a reason for it. So like I was doing things under stress that I couldn't explain and I couldn't explain like, people would tell ask me I got into some trouble at uni um before I was diagnosed and they would ask me like why why are you doing that I literally don't know (laughs) I can't tell you just body responses isn't it yeah yeah so it it was a relief at first to be able to go I'm I'm not the weird one I'm not just causing drama for the sake of causing drama I literally can't stop I sort of slipped into a personality crisis of 
where does my personality end <laughs> and my autism begin? Because all my life I just thought, I'm just quirky. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out all my quirks are actually autism traits. <laughs> and it's trying so, to like, like battle that as well with a late diagnosis. Yeah. The sense of people being like, oh, you're, you're kind of acting more autistic now. Yeah. It's like, well, I've been autistic my whole life. Um, yeah. You only just know, so now I'm getting more comfortable about showing the things that I've been exactly. hiding this whole time. It's a weird, real conflict when you get that late, late diagnosis of, you're like, who am I supposed to be now? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just sat there thinking, well, I just thought I was just, you know, cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, all the things that my mum would say, oh, that, that's just, that's just a d- Faye being adorable. Um, turns out, no, that's just Faye being autistic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the two can be the same thing. Yes. You can be cute and autistic, and it doesn't matter whether one or, it's one or the other, because they're both the same thing. Leads us on really nicely to kind of talk about our main topic of today which is about masking Mm -hmm. so I'm really interested about how obviously I am doing autism research so a lot of what I find out is through the research that I'm doing and not through anyone telling me so when did you first learn about masking um I like learned about masking Weirdly, when we were watching a programme about late-stage diagnosis in autism... Oh, really? There's a programme? What? There was a... I can't remember what it was called. I think it was... um, It might have been Trevor MacDonald, but I can't be certain about that. But um, it was just on telly on the... I think it was the BBC Mm -hmm. one night, um, three or four years ago. And I was just watching it with my mum. And at first, my mum didn't even think about me. She was just like, I think I'm autistic. Really? And I was like... Okay. And then she, like, they, the further on it went, she just looked at me and I was looking at her and she just looked at me and went, do you want to get diagnosed? And I was like, yes, please. Um, Because this was the start of all that, not the start of all that drama in uni, but it was the year before that began. Right. Um, So it was just, and then it didn't happen for a while because I um, got ill. Um, I had I had gallstones, which oh. we didn't know were gallstones for about a year, <laughs> but it was excruciating. So that was my first year of uni. Is like my autism symptoms just ramping the heck up because I was in a new place, surrounded by new people for the first time ever in my life, yeah. and I didn't know how to cope. And also, every two to three weeks, I was in excruciating agony for no apparent reason. God. So <laughs> my first year of uni was horrible um, for that reason, like being undiagnosed and not getting the help I needed, and then also still not get like medically not getting the help I needed um so it didn't we watched that program and then for about a year and a half didn't do anything about it because it was like a immediate problems first (laughs) um and then once I was diagnosed and I had the had the surgery um mum was like you know that autism thing (laughs) do you want to get diagnosed and I was like yes please still yes please because this was the start then of all that drama of like this was around the same time um with my uni drama and I was like yeah I need I need a, I need to tell them that it's not just me being a bitch oh my god um because <laughs> I'm really trying like I, I I like to think that I'm a nice person and I like to think that I even if not intentionally try because emotions aren't the thing I pick up on people from people naturally 
but as I've grown up I've realised that actually people used to think I was quite insensitive so I've taken conscious steps to try and reverse that and now I'm oversensitive in the sense of like other people's emotions because I can't read them so every time like someone's and I'm like are you angry with me and they're like no and I'm like oh my god I feel like you're angry with me and they're like no I'm definitely not angry with you so and I just ask all the time and it's equally annoying but at least they know I know I care about how they feel yeah um so yeah and then that kick-started and then it was yeah last year that I got diagnosed that's fun I just like had no idea and then I was looking into when I wanted to like get diagnosed and they were like females don't get diagnosed as easily I was like why and that's where I kind of discovered that I had a sense of like obviously girls feel more societal pressure to fit in and and that influenced it but I didn't realize that there was like the literal term of masking slash camouflaging that I was like this makes so much sense and I think once I realized that I could suddenly identify situations where I was masking because to me I just felt like I was really just holding in everything so I'd get into a certain situation and I'd be sat there just like don't do this don't do this don't do this and the the only way I can describe masking is if you are pissed out of your mind and you go home to your parents who don't know you're drunk and you have to act yeah. sober. And sometimes you overmiss it and you go too far. Sometimes you pitch it just right. Like that is what it feels like. You're so conscious that every thought of yours is I have to act like everyone else or like. Yeah. I, I do this thing with certain people where I lower the tone of my voice and I'm like talk slowly or yeah that's interesting and like really change everything or like change my body language and I'm like this is normal this is what everyone does and I'm like apparently that's not what everyone does no <laughs> it doesn't consume their every thought of missing what people are saying because you're focusing so hard on just looking like you're fitting yes all the time i like i'm a bad listener but i'm not a bad listener but i miss everything that people are saying that yes definitely that so i'm just like i'm sorry i'm distracted and obviously like with hyper activity like traits in autism as well like it might not be um the same as having purely an ADHD diagnosis but ADHD is a part of autism so um so many of us have those hyperactivity like natures and so I was just like I just need to turn myself down and be chill and like I'm just like I am just all over the place all the time where my brain is just like (laughs) that I have no idea what's going on most of the time it's great fun great. that's the that's the way to go through life blinkers <laughs> can you um describe your personal experience with masking um so a lot of it is in hindsight because obviously as a female with asd i've been masking subconsciously from like super really young age actually i can, I can pinpoint when it like started yeah like, I think I was maybe in year two. Okay. 
like six or seven because all the way through primary school it's like well it was infant school for me because up to year two and then year three four five and six are primary school aren't mm-hmm. they? um infant school it was like the first time you leave the nest and you're in with other kids and all the other kids don't know what to do either so whether you're autistic or not you're all just sort of trying to find your way through those first couple of years together yeah um so i found that pretty easy because i was an intelligent kid my mum always says when i could argue a point at 18 months old and have a full conversation at two um i obviously don't remember that but like yeah. you could she said i could do that obviously it was all downhill from there um <laughs> Um, but yeah, so in school I was like, infant school I was, I did pretty well, I was like top of the class and, but that was just, everyone was just like, oh, she's just smart because I was re, I read a lot when I was a kid. Um, like reading was my thing. Um, and I was friends with all the boys and like, I played, I played better with the boys than the girls, but I just put that down to the fact that they wanted to play the games I wanted to play and the girls didn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then up by up until about year two and then in year three everyone decided to just sort of split off into their cliques Mm -hmm. like the girls had their like little gangs and the boys didn't want anything to do with the girls anymore because you know boys um (laughs) so like then i was like oh i've got to find like subconsciously i was just like i've got to find a way to make friends now that want to stay so i remember being like the floating friend of like I could yeah. make myself fit in with each for about a week until they realised ah, actually she's a bit of a weirdo isn't she because I couldn't I couldn't hold it for that long because I mean I wasn't doing it on purpose but the masking was just I was just trying to mimic obviously what the people around me were doing clearly not very well um, <laughs> so then I would go to a different group and I managed to keep that for about a week. And then I'd go to a different group. Um, but I spent a lot of time alone in school. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of time alone. Um, but that was that's, like, the time I can think of myself, like, actively doing it. And then throughout school, it was just... I, I remember one occasion, I, I know... Again, I didn't do it consciously, but, like, now I know exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Um, Eleven, I started comp. Um, and in those first few weeks of comp, it's sort of the same as going into the... Um, infant school again for the first time because there's new kids again and everyone's trying to adjust to the new environment and I saw that in my form class there were, like, I was the only one who could read a map right. for some reason um, and everyone in school was getting lost at this point because they were, like gave you maps and they were like, go to room F4 and everyone was like, where the hell is room F4? We don't know our way around this place no one's, like, leading us anywhere we're just expected to, at 11, read a map and show up on time mm-hmm. Um, and I made myself like essential in those first few weeks to my class be- by being the only one who could read a map. <laughs> um, so that sort of put me in the right place for a little while in that well, no one's being mean to me at least, so I must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was really bad at masking. <laughs> really bad because if the point of masking is to like get fit into the people around in with the people around you, um, and be able to appear quote unquote normal um then I did a really bad job because <laughs> I was masking but people could still tell that something was off about me yeah that's I always wonder like how people from secondary school 
like how they think about my diagnosis and if they're all just like oh yeah that makes sense oh my god like everything to the point where in um because i i went to um a prep school so i finished at 13 and then went to secondary school so i never went in at the base level i went into third form which is right year nine um and so i was like okay with not going in and being lost at first i just let other people lead me around and i like felt so pressured by like the societal standards that within a week i had like a boyfriend to this boy i didn't like because he was just like do you want to go out with me? And all my friends were like, yeah, it will do you good to have a boyfriend in school. And so I was like, yeah. And then three days later, I was like, I don't fucking want this. And went back and went, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I know. Because he like put his arm around me and I was really uncomfortable. And I was like, don't run to me. Yes, exactly. Yes, that. It was it was not a good time and I think because I had my um anxiety disorder diagnosis that Mm -hmm. covered so much because if I was going through something or I was like because one of my huge triggers is storms I hate storms oh Oh my god no thunderstorms no no thank you we got one forecast for today or tomorrow, and I'm just like... Mm. I know, everyone was like, oh, the whole of Devon is in severe thunderstorms. I've been walking around, like, taking extra medication, because I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, the biggest that causes such a physical reaction in me. So I would yeah. just be, like, crying on the floor, paralysed, unable to breathe, because there was some thunder. And people were like, it's her anxiety. And I was like this noise is so loud it's causing like burning pain in my body and people were like it's her anxiety and I was just like is this what anxiety feels like because everyone else I like I got to the point where I was like they must be lying they must they must not have anxiety because this feels so different and then I was like when I got my diagnosis I was like oh I'm just autistic and that (laughs) suddenly made sense but I was I just questioned everyone with anxiety because I was like but it's different it's so different to what I have yeah then what do you have and it's it wasn't them it was me (laughs) (laughs) so we just like and and I know that's such a struggle for people when they have that anxiety diagnosis that it does like cover a lot of it so I think I was really successful at masking but I would let my anxiety show and that's where it navigated that way so people were just like she's a she's a quote normal child but she has anxiety and then when I went through trauma at 16 they were just like she's just been through trauma that's a normal response and I'm like Something doesn't feel right. Something's extra. Can someone actually listen to me that I can feel that this is not actually accurate? Can we just look into it? And they're like, yeah. no. And I'm like, please. <laughs> so as soon as I like moved away, I was like, I got to look into this. <laughs> and I did. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, it was the same for me. Because I've had anxiety since I was a kid. Um, and I, again, I can tell when I got it. Because like, it was when I went to comp. 
because before that I was an attention seeking little shit. <laughs> like, I, I love being the centre of attention. <laughs> I still am, but I've also got stage fright, so it's a really bad combination. That's why I'm on TikTok. <laughs> it's not live, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm a theatre student. Oh, that, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to comp and, like, all the... I'm the best... Because, like, to be fair, in my school, I was the highest achiever. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm in a really small town, so that's not saying <laughs> something. That's like, That doesn't say much. Like in a class of thirty kids in this town, where you maybe get sixty kids in the school in your year group, being the highest achiever is not the. But everyone was like, "Oh my god, she's like a pr- young prodigy, and she's like, uh, she's going to be in like all the top sets. She's going to graduate. And she's going to do like a degree like science." And I'm like, "I've literally never been good at numbers. What are you on about?" Um, but like you know, that's what people like assumed would happen with me. Turns out, I got a degree in creative writing. So. <laughs> Oh my god, one. the best peoples. Love it. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Calm down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was... Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you can feel I know that like I struggle personally with like identifying emotions in myself yeah. and I really struggle internally. I'm quite good at, at gauging other people's it's my internal that I struggle. Yeah. And like I know that I have an issue with identifying emotions. But I have a really good vibe, which sounds really silly, but like I, because I'm quite like hippy dippy, I like get really good like auras and stuff from things. So I'm like, I can feel, even if I can't identify it, and it might not be different to how someone else can process emotions, I can feel what's different. I can feel that it's something and I can feel when I'm having an anxiety response, when I'm having an autistic response, or when I'm having an OCD response, I can tell those differences now that they're labelled. And for me, it was really important to have that label, because 
it's it's like my own way of navigating my feelings is by placing them into my diagnoses and so for me that's really beneficial and so I'm like it makes sense now I'm like yes sometimes I'm just anxious yes sometimes it's a autism response but I know when it's different and I was saying for so long it's different I just don't understand (laughs) you can really feel it as well and it's this whole like can you just trust me different energy it really is different energy because you're just like yeah this 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 is anxiety but also like this is anxiety on coke on like steroids (laughs) and I was just like am I just suffering really bad and I was like but then sometimes I can function in different ways and like everything makes sense now (laughs) yeah but I'm just at the time I just kept being like I don't know what to do I just don't know what to do yeah because I've never I've got superior anxiety but I've never had a panic attack but I have had meltdowns well now I can recognize that they're meltdowns rather than panic attacks because everyone's just like you're just having a panic attack I'm like this is not a panic attack yeah because (laughs) they used to say as well like when I was struggling with selective mutism they would just be like, oh, she just goes quiet with her panic attacks. And I went, I physically can't talk. And now yeah, I'm like, uh, it's an autistic thing. <laughs> How do you feel about like learning to unmask? Is it something that you would like to do, something that you are learning to do? Or, or does it not really bother you and you're okay navigating that yourself? Um, so with learning to unmask, I've only really been consciously masking since I was diagnosed yeah because before then it was I was doing it but it was unconscious so it had um varying degrees of success yeah um since then I know when I'm masking and what I'm doing and all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't feel the need to mask anymore because I I can turn around and say well that I'm I'm autistic this is just something I do particularly at work yeah um since because i don't work anymore i quit my job um due to covid because i worked in a pub and i was absolutely not going back in during the during this mess i was like they were like oh yeah we're opening i'm like yeah you can you can open i'm not going back like it's just not happening no um because you know drunk like you can say social distancing as much as you want but drunk patrons no in a small pub because it's a country pub just no so (laughs) i wasn't going back but i worked there for um i mean Technically, it was a year and three months because it shut in March for COVID, but like it was until July. So, um, but I started January twenty nineteen, and obviously January to December, I wasn't diagnosed, mm-hmm. and then I was diagnosed in December. Um, so I had to learn how to sort of cope in an environment that was bloody awful for someone with autism. Like that's just the worst place you could possibly put someone with autism is a pub <laughs> as a barmaid. Like, honestly, because, like, that's what social interaction and um, the physical mm-hmm. um, um, dyspraxia, dyspraxia and just generally just having, having to behave, behave normally, normally in an environment that's incredibly high stress. stress. So I, I did badly. badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, I was like, they're going to fire me. And it got past, like, six months. And I was like, they're not going to fire me. They're just going to put up with me. Please find me. <laughs> um, 
Because I'm not going to quit. I'm begging you, fire me. (laughs) I was like, maybe if I set the boss's car on fire, maybe then he'll fire me. He he didn't. I also didn't set his car on fire. (laughs) I worded that badly, but yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) For legal reasons, I did not set his car on fire. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then I got diagnosed and I was like, hang on, I don't need to put up with this anymore I don't have to be like oh I'm sorry I I, I, all I because my masking was yes I did masking work and yes I did intentionally masking work after I'd been diagnosed because I had to hold it together for those because my shifts were pretty short like six hours generally was the longest shift I like had to do because you did it in like the pub's only 12 open for 12 hours and you did it in like two parts I guess so they like split the um employees between shifts so six hours usually by my longest shift six hours too long um <laughs> but so i'd have to ho- i had i would have to hold it together for those six hours like no matter what because like i can't have a meltdown in the middle of a crowded pub uh-huh. one my my anxiety won't let me because that like the anxiety overrides the autism in the don't make a scene yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> department so, so like it's, it's like, like it's like, like you being, being the, the mum friend, friend in that I can't all ask for ketchup for myself, but if one of my friends can't ask for ketchup when I'm out, I'm like, I, I can do, do it literally. Oh my god! Oh my god! Literally, that is literally me. And I because yeah. I'm working um at an SEN school, yeah. and they were like, oh, are you worried about like your autism flaring up or anything? And I was like, um, actually, my autism takes a step back if someone else is struggling, and I like kick in and my fears literally my fears just go away because yeah. someone else needs me and it's like absolutely what you said like my mothering instinct kicks in and I'm like I've got this lads <laughs> it's so funny um, so yeah so so like I don't like making a scene but I would go into the bathroom and like have a good like take my five minute break have a go into the bathroom have a complete like meltdown in the bathroom and then just clean myself up and go back to work for the next three hours um, and then I'd get in my car at the end of the shift and just like sit in my car and cry and just scream for about 15 minutes and then I'd have to drive home <laughs> and then I couldn't sleep because I might my like anxiety was high because the like you like the adrenaline almost from like having to mask and having to function for that long you lie in bed then it's like calm down calm down calm down decompress and then you can't so you don't sleep but sleep is necessary to be have the energy to be autistic oh my god i literally like yeah works um i teach for three hours on a saturday and i would get home and have to have a nap because but it's quite good because like obviously when i was teaching it's like my own classroom environment so my kids are very used to me being very out there loud like wacky and so i feel like quite comfortable in that it's only when i'm in meetings i have to be like yes yes but it was just so tiring that social interaction I would just go home and nap and I just I kind of have to say people if I've come back from a lecture if I've come back from socializing you need to give me half an hour to reprocess and be able to speak to you again because I'm like I literally need time to re like center my mind so I'm able to talk it's oh yeah I'm approaching burnout at the moment because I had a really busy, like, or not purposely, and since I've been diagnosed, I've been much better at handling how to manage my time socially and 
manage my energy and conserve it so that that doesn't happen. Because mm-hmm. um, I had one right before lockdown in about February and it was just like, it was the first time I'd had a burnout knowing what was happening because obviously it had happened before but I just thought I was just tired and you just push yourself through it and then it gets worse. This time I knew like, look, no, I'm going to take steps to take care of myself now and it was over much, much faster. Um, but at the moment I'm just like, I had, I went to two barbecues on Saturday, which, you know, one barbecue is enough, but two barbecues on Saturday, um, socially distanced, um, but still, (laughs) but still like, yeah. Um, and then I came home and my sister's friends had moved in because they were kicked out of their house. Um, so for the last three, like my house is my like decompressing decompressing environment i was expecting to go out to a barbecue and then come home and then spend a day just like recovering Mm -hmm. and it's not simple as just like being in my room i need my house i need to turn on my music up really loudly and make pancakes because for some reason making pancakes soothes the soothes me Mm -hmm. Um, they're they're never never good pancakes pancakes, but it's just just the repetitive repetitive motion of just making the pancakes and dancing along is what calms me down yeah and just lying on the sofa with with my dog who is like my um he's not a an emotional, emotional support, support dog, dog but, but like he, he may as well be because yeah i call my cat my, my therapy baby. cat because yeah, the amount of work that she does yeah. even though he causes most of my breakdowns <laughs> um <laughs> but, but when he's, he's cute, cute he like, like fixes everything with my, my dog's fur because he's soft and that's an easy thing for me to ground it with. Yeah. And just spending a day doing that. And I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet since Saturday and it's Tuesday now and my brain is just like, you need to calm down. That's like um, part of the reason I moved to my own apartment. So I knew that when I got home, no one could bother me. And yeah. why I was so nervous going back to shared accommodation because I was like, what do I do? But luckily I've managed to find a space like where it's shared accommodation but my room has two rooms attached so I can create like a little living room so I can just like lock myself out because it's it is just so tiring yeah masking is tiring it's like I had to explain it to my mum's boyfriend yesterday because we think that his daughter is autistic right um she's 10 and she is autistic. There is absolutely no two ways about it. She is because I'm like looking at her, and it's like looking at a mirror of myself when I was ten. Except I wasn't diagnosed because no one was around to say, "Hey, by the way, yeah, maybe you should have her tested." Um, even though when I was tested and they came back and said autism, um, it's autism. My mum went to my auntie and said, "By the way, Faye's autistic. Um, just go gently." And she went, "Oh, we know." <laughs> and <laughs> mum was like, "How do you know?" And they were like, she used to walk around on her tiptoes as a kid. And I'm like, you didn't tell us that? I was the opposite. I'm the, I'm the floppy one. I kick like this and walk like that. Yeah. Yes, my mum would always be like, heel toe, heel toe. And sometimes I still have to think about how to walk. And I'm like, heel yeah. toe, heel toe, heel toe. Yeah, it's a conscious thing. Like, I'm walking down the street on my, like, tiptoes. Or, like, I was walking around behind the bar on tiptoes. And the bar at work was higher than the floor level anyway. 
So I was just walking around on my toes and someone's looking over the bar going, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, it's just subconscious. I don't know what I'm doing. Autism. Yeah. But this was before I was diagnosed. So people just go, why are you? And then I had to force myself to walk flat foot. And it's just like the most stressful thing is concentrating on how you're walking. It's, it feels like, also, like everything needs yeah. concentration. Everything does need concentration. Not stimming at work. Oh, yeah. yeah it's an environment where like, I, I would, I would pick up subtle stims. So, like, for example, and this was the most unhygienic thing in the world, but it was the most unhygienic pub in the world, so I really don't care. On the um, ales, like, the flat ales with the pumps, they have, like, screw, like, little plastic screws on the pump taps um, that, obviously, you can put on and then it changes the flow of the thing, so it makes it, like, more bubbly or something. I don't know. And I would just stand at the till and have my hand on the pump and then just, like, screw and unscrew that. <laughs> Um, obviously, this was in a pre-COVID world, because um, <laughs> these days I'd, I'd probably be fired for doing that. Um, but yeah, I'd just sit there and just screw and unscrew that tap, or I would take it off completely and just fiddle with it in my hands. Or they would have a lump of blue tack on the till, so I'd just take the blue tack off and just like stretch it and remould it and stretch it. And I'd just be stood there, because when it wasn't busy, I would just be stood there for four hours, like just like with nothing to do, so I was just stretching the blue tack eventually when i was diagnosed i got um stim toys i need more i'm literally here popping popping the um phone case because yeah. like just doing that is really satisfying and then popping it yeah. back but i've seen that someone put up a uh, stim toy which is literally just popping right that looks really cool so i've got that and then i did get fidget spinners right. i don't like fidget spinners. they did uh, not the vibe but they, they were cheap the, they so i thought the... i'd try them um i've got this like little remote control yeah, thing. Yeah, that looks cool. That's got like clicky buttons on it. Yeah. And non-clicky buttons, and then it's got a flicking. I've tried them before, but they they're unsatisfying Same to me because they're not doing anything. <laughs> These this one was, works for me because like it's like I can just have it in my pocket and just be like, in my pocket and. I sometimes put pebbles and rolling pebbles around my hand. I love that. I do that when I'm collecting on the site playing around so guys that has been episode three of seeing through the spectrum with Faye. i hope that you guys have enjoyed it i will leave all of her um i will leave all of her ads in the comments and in the description so you can go and find her online and have a look at her content and i will see you for the next episode